0: Cloud inspires. Verhaulen and mensen after Cloud Transformation Episode 16 with Barbara Forbes and the topic automation with GitHub and Azure Hello and welcome to Cloud Inspires and our first episode of the new year. On my side, I welcome Gregor. Hello Gregor, happy new year!
1: Yeah. Happy New Year, Thomas, and great to see you back here. And how was your, uh, yeah, your short vacation?
0: Short vacation? Yeah, it was, um, I think, one week off from work. Um, I had turned off the computer, being 100% offline. That was a nice experience after a very busy year. But really relaxing and spending time with family and friends. That was a pretty good
1: Christmas. Sounds really great. great, Something And I make say. a big fault. I have uh, used no vacation between the days, uh, only two days. And this is too, yeah, too less for, <laughs> for to have, to can uh, relax in all the time. But, and then you not, uh, doesn't uh, have a good experience with the new year. But yeah, the new week or the first week was a little bit uh, quiet. And this was uh, good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that would, would be um, unusual compared to the other weeks that uh, is in front of us. And that's a perfect change to our first topic when it comes to community news. Absolutely. Because I guess there are not too much uh, announcements yet, but uh, I heard you have prepared some some notes and announcements for upcoming events, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, um, we're planning for, firstly, for the Azure Bomb, we plan to go more to an in-person event. And uh, we have, uh, yeah, we plan for the first meetup in, uh, in the beginning of February, but uh, we are in discussing with a speaker from near to Bonn and hope we can bring him, yeah, to our first in-person event in this year. And the next one was uh, in this January was the Azure Workbeat meetup. And I know the speaker of the meetup what? of the first session. Who is it? Yeah, Thomas, can you what? remember oh, that okay. you can... I
0: remember, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, I think, true, yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I <we'll> hope so. <laughs> be more more than happy to see you all uh, in Duisburg. It's, uh, it's in the, is it called a City Haber, uh, Harbor in, in English? Uh, it's very close to the Rhine area with the, with the uh, location uh, for the meetup, and I will talk about securing uh, privilege identity and access management in Microsoft Azure.
1: Sounds good, I think I will join it. Yeah, more more than happy to join. And last one was more for our Microsoft 365 uh, colleagues. It was the Teams Community Day and it's uh, planned for the 26th of January. Uh, for three days, but uh, I haven't more information about this. So please take a look also at the Teams Community Day uh, website. We will also place the link in the show notes.
0: Yeah, and there will be also a Microsoft event next week in Berlin. I have the pleasure to talk about um, Microsoft Defender for Cloud as part of a, a Shadow Hunter workshop. Cool. Um, at the Microsoft Ignite Spotlight Germany. So everyone that is uh, in the near of Berlin and li- have interest, check out. It's a little uh, bit
1: surprised because I think when I have heard as uh, Ignite Spotlight events, I remember about the time, I mean, it was uh, 2019 about the big uh, Ignite Spotlights and uh, Spotlight uh, session or events uh, around the world, but I doesn't find any information about this, but yeah, cool. And a free place there? Um, I don't know when we publish
0: the podcast episode. So (laughs) (laughs) check out uh, the the social media. Uh, I have also published a a tweet with the latest information and then you get the up-to-date status about free seats and so on.
1: Perfect. And I think this brings us to our speaker. Welcome, Barbara. Hello. And I have here, to, we will have also a session next week. It's a virtual live, Azure?
2: At the Azure Virtual Community Day. Ah, okay,
1: cool. So we place it also in the show notes. But yeah. yeah, Barbara, firstly, please introduce yourself for our audience. It's really a pleasure to have you here.
2: Yes, yeah. My name is Barbara Forbes. Um, I'm from the Netherlands. And I work with Azure and Automation. So I work as the Azure technical lead at OGT, which is a company in the Netherlands. And next to it, I'm pretty uh, active in the community. So I got to be a Microsoft MVP and a GitHub star. And yeah, I write a lot of uh, stuff on my blog and I do a lot of sessions at conferences. So I get to do a lot of fun stuff.
0: And that brings my first question to you. I heard about this GitHub stars, and that yes. sounds really cool, like a, you are a rock star. And yeah. uh, what, what is the story behind that? So how to become a GitHub star? <laughs> you should
2: see our award. It's so cool. So a GitHub star is uh, something like a Microsoft MVP, as that it's an award for active community members. Uh, The program is of course from GitHub, which means if you are active in the community, so if you're doing sessions or uh, organizing uh, user groups or events, uh, but also if you're active in open source. So if you actively run uh, software projects that other people can use, which is often something people will do for free uh, in their own time. So uh, you can get recognized as uh, a GitHub star and you get, all the, you get to talk with the GitHub people and get the GitHub goodies. And uh, yeah, it's a really fun program. It's uh, great people to connect with.
0: And there's also a walk of fame with your personal star, like in Hollywood.
2: We had one of those at GitHub Universe. Wow. It was so cool. We were at uh, GitHub Universe was last November. It was a hybrid event, so you could follow it online. I think the sessions, are still all available online so you can see all the sessions but it was hybrid so it was also in person uh, in san francisco and cool. there was a little hall uh, between the conference halls um where there were stars on the floors and then we saw that our names were actually on there so uh, i found my star <laughs> <laughs> And I felt a little bit like a Hollywood star. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah I can remember on the picture that you posted uh, on LinkedIn was really cool. And also, yeah, yeah that was uh, the first time that I heard about the yeah, GitHub uh, Star program.
2: Yeah, it's relatively new. It's uh, I think it's going into its third year, and it's small, smaller, smaller than uh, the MVP mm. program. So there's not that many participants. So. And that makes it fun because it's easy to know everyone almost like uh, most people are very busy, so it's it's hard to get to know each other, Mm. but that was so great. The GitHub universe was the first time most of the stars were able to actually meet in person.
1: That's really cool. So also in person events and also for this uh, uh, kind of conference and type is really cool. Yeah, in yeah. yeah. you know, San we Francisco only have an Azure star. So. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> yeah, we are working on it.
2: <laughs> no, but yeah, it was cool. really cool too. Okay, yeah, to be in San Francisco. Like how uh, long yeah. did you stay
1: in San Francisco then?
2: Uh I stay I had planned to stay for a week. This was like, yeah, I'm not flying to the US for just a few days. The conference was three days uh but then while i was in california i also did some recording for linkedin learning where i do some Ooh. courses and uh, i do most of the recording from home because uh yeah we have all the facilities to do that but they do have a studio in california and i got to go there so I was also very excited and that course is not out yet so you, oh, have okay. to... you waited
1: we're uh, waiting for the cut and also for the finalization
2: Yeah, uh, we are working on it right now. So yeah, you need to keep uh, following me to find out which course it is. It's my second course on LinkedIn Learning. What's the topic? can't see yet. Okay.
0: <laughs> but I guess it has something to do with cloud. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe, maybe, maybe.
2: Maybe it will. You can, uh, my first course was on uh, using GitHub Actions to deploy to Azure. Cool. So that was the first one and uh, it's a lot of fun to do. And I hope a lot of people <laughs> find them actually helpful, the courses. Oh, so I'm excited for that next one to get out, and it was really cool to be in the studios.
1: Yes, can I imagine. I think this will be a pleasure.
0: <laughs> what was your? Um, can do you can remember what was the initial trigger or the first wow moment? when you started to um, yeah learn the stuff about DevOps and automation, was there a particular project or any motivation to start your journey to becoming the expert in this area?
2: Oh, that's, that's a really long time ago. I, I remember from first starting out in IT that uh, automation was a topic, it was like, hey, you do stuff daily and you can write scripts and then you don't have to do that anymore. And I started doing that at the service desk, but what we saw when I worked at service desk was that people were writing scripts or code for stuff that really didn't take that long to do because it was fun to write the code. It wasn't that practical, but I remember when I started system administration, uh, we were in, um, Uh, a service where I had five customers on my own. So I had five companies where I did uh, their system administration one day a week. And so I have one day and I don't want to spend that day doing the daily checks, but I was supposed to do that. So I started investing like two hours extra or one hour extra at some places and creating scripts to do my daily checks for me. And we had a monitoring system, system. So I, put those scripts in the monitoring system. And with the time I saved, because I didn't have to do those checks, I began to write new scripts. And I got it to the point where I had to do no daily checks at all, I had them all automated. And I was like, yeah, now I have time to do new projects.
0: And I'll make vacation. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But that was, uh, that's one of the things where you really see that it works mm. and you can write that automation. It was even before Infrastructure as Code, before I started with that. With Infrastructure as Code, a whole new business started out, all this new stuff that you could do. where It's like, oh, we have Azure. I mean, the checks were before Azure. And now we have Azure. And you mean that we can just uh, run one, template and then have a complete environment and when we're done we can just throw it away that concept was so so cool when we Mm. started out it still is (laughs) Uh,
1: which uh, language was your first time do you use what is really directly powershell or other language that you start with it
2: powershell was the first language i started with i remember one of the first scripts i wrote was actually a translation of a cmd so of a bat file Cool. Because bat wasn't cool. So it yeah. was like, yeah, we want to use PowerShell. And uh, so I didn't know exactly how to write a script, but I knew PowerShell. So I took every line of that script, found out what it did, and then find the alternative from PowerShell. It was a really fun way to work with it. So I started out with PowerShell and, and then uh, Terraform and then ARM templates and now, of course, Bicep.
0: So Terraform ARM um, and then biceps. So you yes. come th- from the journey and a non-Microsoft uh, I, I, uh, infrastructure as code language to uh, to Microsoft's uh, to the to the to, to the bad good side, right? Yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> the thing was this theme, the team, the team that I started out with they were already using Terraform. So it's like yeah you're gonna use Terraform, but this was a long time ago, and you have to know there was barely anything on information on terraform there were no blogs there were no examples there was really uh, i had a book (laughs) i don't like books uh, for tech stuff because they're very easily get out of date and then i have to find the code again and I just like to do stuff and work with examples. There were no examples, there were just a reference. So it was pretty difficult to get started with because our templates were so advanced. (laughs) So it was pretty difficult. And then at one point we found out like we only use Azure and we're only going to use Azure for a while at that point. So maybe we should look into ARM templates as there's far more documentation and examples on it. And, uh, yeah, and that felt really good, yeah, until Bicep <laughs> became a thing. And then we realized uh, what we had been working with, with ARM templates.
1: <laughs> do, you, uh, still, do you still use uh, ARM templates after the announcement of Bicep, or do you directly uh, now uh, using Bicep for I'm all things? I'm not
2: using ARM templates at all anymore. And I was very skeptical when Bicep became a thing, mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I liked ARM templates. I did, I like JSON. It's, it's a very clear language. There is no discussion on how JSON works because if you are discussing something then the computer is going to say no. <laughs> but uh, So I liked ARM templates in that way but then when I first tried out Bicep and uh, I, there was a little tutorial back then on the GitHub a repository and i walked through it and i thought this is not that difficult i can actually do this and the visual studio code extension was so incredible like i was like okay it's pretty much much writing the script for me so yeah i've been hooked to bicep since then and i wrote a few blog posts on how you can do it with azure DevOps and github actions and it made the process the flexibility in Uh, Infrastructure as code so much easier to create because if we look back, ARM templates are not that flexible. I think, (laughs) and they're supposed to be when you're writing infrastructure as code. (laughs) And
0: and that brings us to the uh, overall question: similar to Coke (laughs) or Pepsi or Adidas (laughs) or Nike, so (laughs) if you prefer bicep versus Terraform and GitHub versus Azure DevOps.
2: Uh, bicep terraform is not difficult. That's bicep. Oh,
0: Let's okay. start
2: with that one. That's the easiest one. Um, I love the discussions you can have with people. Uh, and I like it's, it's all. You, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's always very <laughs> yeah. emotional discussions on Absolutely. which one is the best. I understand the concept of terraform, and I mean bicep got the best parts of terraform in it. I mean, uh, it's not like they made that up. Um, But with Terraform, I think it's a better solution if you're actually multi-cloud. But I had, and I must say it's been like five years since I've worked with Terraform, but I had such a bad relationship with the state file. And I still remember that uh, we had an uh, Azure environment where some teams were using Terraform and whenever we would do a small change that they shouldn't have noticed, their Terraform templates would break because the state file didn't know about it. And with Bicep, the state file is Azure. So that's why uh, I really like Bicep. It's always up to date and you don't have to deal with the state file. But I do recognize that a lot of people prefer Terraform and that's, that's fine as well. It also has its advantages.
1: But this is really interesting because I always have, uh, can remember always about the discussion about Terraform but also about the state file, how we can, yeah, save it where you can place it, and also yeah. this was also really a interesting discussion about this. Yeah, one point or one uh, part of the of uh, terra, uh, yeah Terraform. Yeah, and also maintain yeah. the,
0: um, the um, Terraform providers because um, in, a, in a world yeah. with changing APIs, new features, especially for uh, Microsoft Sentinel. Um, the Terraform yeah. provider becomes really fast outdated or not supporting uh, the new new properties. Okay. Yeah,
2: Bicep is always up to date because it uses the API directly. And of course it's Microsoft owned. Uh, then again, Terraform is able to do stuff in Azure AD and Bicep is not.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, fingers crossed that come. that's gonna happen. Yeah. Someday, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is planned. The wish for it's... 2023. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. If Bicep can do uh, Azure AD, because at this point you do need another language to deal with Azure AD while you're working with Azure. Hmm. Or,
0: or using PowerShell and build your own estate. This is something side note. What I did with AAD ops, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is a challenge. Um, I know from from my stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, and the other one is more difficult, the Azure DevOps versus GitHub. Uh, can I be uh, that consultant to say it depends? <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I I have, I, uh, um, yeah, think about this uh, answer about you.
2: <laughs> I think they both have their own use case. Yeah. Like uh, Azure DevOps uh, is more focused in my opinion on uh, companies. So for companies, especially if you have Azure AD, it's automatically integrated, stuff like that, or you can do it within one click. Um, and it has the whole planning tools that people are already familiar with in there. Um, and GitHub is making a lot of changes, of course. There's a lot of development going on, and it's very exciting. And GitHub absolutely wins when it comes to open source and when it comes to sharing scripts, uh, which Azure DevOps just isn't that good at. And the stuff that GitHub offers, um, like code spaces and like co pilots, things like that really make GitHub something special. Yeah. But for companies, it is more difficult to integrate at this point. So who knows what it brings. But at this point, for companies, I am still on the Azure DevOps side. And for open source and personal stuff, I'm absolutely on the GitHub side.
1: This interesting answer and this yeah answer also my question. So I have to think about yeah, it's it's better to go with DevOps in some certain scenarios between or in comparing to uh, GitHub, But you give the answer, I think yeah. You know
2: what I think the cool thing is that you can still get started for mm-hmm. free with both of them. So if it's for your own experience uh, or to test stuff out or to make your own opinion, you can make a free account on both of them and you can do pretty much everything for free. Mm. And I think that's really cool because that gives you the option to get familiar with both of them and um, have your own opinion, but also like with the pipelines, uh, with Azure DevOps pipelines versus GitHub Actions, they are very similar. So that means if you are familiar with one of them, then it will take a relatively short time to learn the other one. And you can have a very broad scope of what you can do. So that's pretty cool in my opinion that you can really try them out and see which one works best for you.
0: Yeah, but it will be also interesting to see what will be the progress in GitHub to adopt more and more Uh, enterprise governance security features, because there's also a lot of ongoing stuff. And it's also good to see that Microsoft, for example, the defender for DevOps is supporting DevOps and GitHub. And there's some, yeah, yeah, parallel uh, development on both platforms. So it's sometimes it looks like like uh mother has two children and some people are who's the cleverest one of both. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but there's um yeah, I think there are good, good reasons to choose GitHub or DevOps. Um and you can also mix between both, right? You can uh, yep. so you choose uh Azure Repos as your repository and then using integrate GitHub actions as a pipeline. That's some some mixes should be also possible. You
2: can do some mixes and matches uh, if that fits. I remember before GitHub Actions became a thing that you would often store your uh, code in GitHub and then deploy it through Azure Pipelines. So options like that are available. They are very close like that.
1: Some short question at this time. So I think you you have uh, many blog posts about Azure functions and so on and deployed or GitHub and so on. Do you also use logic apps or do you don't use uh, logic apps because you have Azure functions? I
2: also use logic apps mostly for the connectors. Okay. Because that's the best part where you can connect it to another service without having to write anything for it. So uh, that's one of the great things, in my opinion, on Logic Apps. So if I have something like that, I will use Logic Apps. Uh, ah, okay, I do and
1: like... then the, the matching and the data processing, then you're still using Azure Functions.
2: Yeah, I mostly use Azure Functions uh, because it's really all code and code that most people understand. So it's easily to easier to reproduce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I did, for example, at one point, uh, you had the issue in PowerShell that the send mail message is deprecated at this point. And um, I wrote some, I was like, okay, I need an alternative. And I wrote some blog posts on it. And uh, one of the alternatives I came up with is a logic app, which can be called through PowerShell. Cool. Because you can use it pretty much as an API. So I made a solution where I uh, could, from PowerShell, um, call that logic app, give it the same parameters as I did with send mail message, and then it would send the email through the logic app. So That's, that was just a way to create a connection.
1: I think, uh, yeah, this a uh, really good point. And also, um, yeah, I like also about the whole solution with this Azure Function and so on and really the integration. And I know this was really sometimes a challenge integration with with an actual PowerShell version in Azure Function, but this is also gone. And now I always use all Azure Functions and I like it really for the whole automation and so on. But what do you think about um, it is important to automate or also to have infrastructure as code or to have both? So I have some customers, they only use automation with PowerShell and think about to use Azure Functions, but still using more the portal experience. So what is your experience here with your customers? What is your recommendations to to use both uh, in comparing or what do you say to this?
2: I think you can use both. It's like, um, so even between automation and the portal, Of course, automation is cool and should automate everything, but uh, the portal is sometimes underestimated. Like, the portal can help so much with visualizing what's going on. And I wrote all my first functions. The first time I would do bindings, I would write them in the portal because the portal showed what is going on and it created that integrations for you. And after that, then I would understand the process and then I would move to Visual Studio Code and create Mm. stuff there. And I always recommend also if you're creating bicep templates for resources you've never created, create them in the the portal first because you get a wizard. So you see what all the properties are. You see how they're connected to each other. Um, In the menus, you can see what resources connect to who and why and what the SKUs are and the properties you need to care for. So I always love to start out in the portal and then move to Uh, automation infrastructure as code afterwards so uh yeah i know it's cooler to just code everything but i think the portal is a great starting point for uh if you're getting to new to know new resources and let's face it there's new resources coming up every day
0: yeah i totally agree on that and that is also for other um um scenarios not only for Azure so if you're creating uh, objects in Azure AD and you like to automate them with the Microsoft Prep API let's have a look how it uh, is created um and what will be the rest API calls behind the portal and understand what happens Uh, I think that is that is a good starting point before just start writing hello world right yeah (laughs)
2: It's the same thing which I now recommend, especially for IT pros who are maybe not that used to coding everything. If you're starting off with Git, I always recommend to to see how it works in Visual Studio Code because it gives some visualization. Of course, you should also know what commands to use and uh, what is actually happening. But to me, the visualization really helps to understand what's actually happening. So uh, tools like that. Yeah, I think that's great that we get that option.
0: Yeah, and that will, so we had talked about uh, your favorite um, environment to code when it comes to infrastructure with Terraform. We talked about Logic App versus Azure Functions. And Mm -hmm. uh, now the question will be, what is your favorite ISE? So programming (laughs) environment uh, language and on which platform?
2: Like which it IDE I use to you. code? Yeah, cool. right,
0: so Question is the simple. code, Eclipse, um, text editor, notepad, so what is your favorite tool? But
2: Everything I... in Visual Studio Code. On
0: Pretty Windows? Much...
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do Hi, have to on
0: Windows. No and... points for Apple.
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> I
2: did. I did. Used to have a Mac, especially when I started out, because I was like, okay, I am uh, busy with fixing computers and changing stuff all day, and then I go home and I want to watch cats on the internet, and I don't want to think about anything. And a Mac is awesome for that. <laughs> and it's uh... Apple, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was, I mean, that was a few years ago when uh, Microsoft products really didn't work that well on Apple. So uh, I I love the movement that uh, where everything came together. Mm. I think it's so cool that at one point, all those vendors were like, okay, we might need each other and that everything can run on everything. And that's one of the things I love about Visual Studio Code, especially if I'm teaching people stuff, that it's the same on every OS. So uh, you probably, especially on the developer side, you know when there's a tutorial and they are using terminal and then I have to make the translation in my head, like, oh, right. Or if I'm uh, running on a Raspberry Pi, okay, how did it work again on Linux? Uh, but Visual Studio Code, pretty much everything looks the same, feels the same. Yeah. So I love that it makes everything so much more approachable.
0: And especially, and that is why I think a great topic to discuss when it comes to GitHub code spaces. So, yes. as, oh, yes. a, as a personal heavily user on the Apple platform, I love to have just um, the Visual Studio Code. Uh, spaces on the iPad if I need it uh, for, for, for rush times to modify some line of codes. So what are your thoughts on that, about code spaces?
2: I must say, on the iPad, I've tried that. I missed the tab key for tab complete. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a fun project. Now, the code spaces are really cool for this kind of stuff. Uh, so this is a Visual Studio Code environment, but then it's uh, in the browser. So you have it attached to your GitHub repository. And when you want to make a change, then you say, okay, open a code space for me. And you can do pretty much everything on there. So you can have a configuration beforehand. So you always have the same tools that you need there. And you can run your programs if you want to. So you can run everything. Uh, And when you're done, you commit everything and you throw it away because it's a container. So you can just create a new one if you want to do something again.
1: And uh, yeah. any alternative on Azure DevOps for, Azure, uh, for GitHub Codespaces?
2: No, this is only on GitHub. Okay. And uh, last year it was, uh, or the year before it was introduced, I think, and it was only for uh, teams and enterprises. And in November, they announced that everyone could use it. So you get some hours, like 60 hours a month out of my head, you get for free. Crazy. So you can use that uh, for pretty much everything. And you can create configuration for that. But I think one of the greatest use cases is to learn a new language. Because uh, if you want to learn a new coding language, then the first step is always, OK, install all this stuff on your computer. Mm -hmm. And then you do one thing in the wrong order, and your computer starts acting funnily. And you're like, OK, never mind. Give me my computer back. And you're already through. And complete evening, and you haven't learned anything. So, with code spaces, you can be like, okay, I want to learn a language. Uh, maybe there's already a code space out there that has exactly what I need for most languages as well. And I can make my own configuration in that, and I can start to, uh, working in that. And you don't have to install anything on your computer. You can just see, is this something I want to do? Focus on this for a while. And then in the end, you can throw it away, and you don't have all the stuff on your computer.
1: That sounds really a great part of the solution. So when I remember all the stuff that I have to install, always when I have a new uh, and new device.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's really uh, and it works really well for that kind of stuff.
1: Do you use this now for all your projects as a code spaces or did, do you have Is there some limitations right now that will be improved in the future or what you, you expect uh, your experience with the code spaces?
2: Uh, pretty much the only limitation you have is the, the 60 hours, which if you, uh, okay. that's like two hours a day. So you should be fine for uh, if it's not your job. Uh, I have found the only limitation, but yeah, they can't help that is the network. <laughs> <laughs> I have tried it on very bad Wi Fi. I do often still work uh, locally uh, on stuff just because that's a process I'm used to. But what I also like is that if you have a code space configuration in it and you have Docker on your laptop, uh, then if you open the repository locally, it will say, hey, you have a, a code space configuration. Do you want to open a Dev container, and then you can run on a container on your own computer. So you can have the same experience as in code spaces, but then on your local computer.
1: That's really great. So I think I have to take a look more at this solution.
2: There are so many possibilities. It's really. Uh, do you? This is so exciting.
1: <laughs> do you use also uh, so? Have, have you now switched more to the code spaces and uh, lesser to Azure DevOps or is it still also more on the project side where uh, which solution do you use?
2: It's still the, the same separation If it's for companies, it's yeah. often on Azure DevOps. If it's okay. for my own use
0: it's on GitHub.
1: Okay Cool. Thomas, do you also use code spaces?
0: Yeah since a couple of um, months. Uh, okay, one, But <laughs> Also, here we comes uh, for a writing block. I'm uh, doing ah, okay. I am, uh, using GitHub uh, pages for my blog. I'm using the Docs extension by Microsoft for doing all the markdown stuff. So GitHub code space is also my markdown editor. Cool. So, okay. Rigor, <laughs> it's up to you and if you're a fast programmer, uh, the three hours of writing code is enough for you. So it depends on (laughs) your speeds to write down and get the job done.
1: I think I will book you uh, two after the recording to give me more insights on this. (laughs) All right. I guess
0: we have another challenge for you, Barbara. Yes. And uh, (laughs) we had um, uh, this discussion yesterday before, uh, yeah, as part of our pre-call, and we had uh, give some some notes. Hey, there will be a quiz, and most of the time the guests are surprised uh, about the situation, right? Krigor, so that is <laughs> the situation. Uh, but it's very uh, just a fun part, and uh, our podcasts have some magic wishes when uh, guests can, uh, address what they like to to get in the future and so on. But uh, it's hard work at our podcast. That means uh, yes. to answer some difficult questions. Are you ready?
2: As ready as I can be.
0: All right, Frigo, do you like to start?
1: Yeah, you. firstly, we have a really easy question for you. So, uh, and then we're coming to a more uh, the complex uh, questions. Yeah. Can, can <laughs> you imagine that
0: Gregor is doing all the time to set the level and say, here's a really easy <laughs> one.
2: Yeah, this can get... <laughs> only get worse.
1: <laughs> yeah. Gregor, great job.
2: What could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think so. It was also, I can remember on our uh, latest episode about the challenge for you for the, um, what it's, uh, the Azure A Day uh, Conditional Access Rules (laughs) was also a great challenge for Thomas. Yeah, Barbara, in which year Microsoft announced Azure Functions?
2: With or without PowerShell. Without, without PowerShell,
1: The first version.
2: Uh, Because... (laughs) I'm just going to throw some facts in that I do know. Because PowerShell functions with Azure version 3 were uh, generally available in November 2019. So that's not an answer to your question, but it's impressive, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Cool.
2: Because this was at Microsoft Ignite's in 2019 in person, and I was doing a session on oh, Azure cool. functions with PowerShell. And that morning they announced that it was general available. So I was so happy.
1: <laughs> and do you know that they will announce this on this day? Or what was also- I didn't know. Okay.
2: Because I was not an MVP yet. So I was not, okay. uh, I had no internal information.
1: That's really so, crazy. Cool.
2: <laughs> so that was in 2019 and that was version two or three. No, version two didn't have PowerShell. I, so let's say that was in 2018. And version one had PowerShell as an experimental language. which really didn't work. So I'm going to say 2017.
1: Closely, closely. It was uh, 2016. At the end oh, of right. 2016, yeah. Was the introduction uh, um, on the Azure Block side, And then they come <laughs> up with the version one. But yeah, you still uh, say it was really more... I would say experimental version of Azure Functions.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, PowerShell was uh, involved as an experimental language. They literally called it that and it really didn't work. Yeah. So PowerShell wasn't really an option. And then V2, there were no experimental languages. And then in V3, we got to use PowerShell.
1: (laughs) Great, but you know the future <laughs> and the history better at, as I, because I have to Google about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can just say anything. You have to assume it's correct.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we, we, put, we put the references to the answers uh, in, uh, in, in the um, show notes so that everyone can have a fuck check. A side note, I found really interesting that Google is one of the first commercial serverless uh, cloud provider. So started with, how oh, I can say that Google App Engine in uh, 2008. So mm-hmm. Crazy. Really a long time before Azure Function uh, joined at the party. Crazy. So next question. Mm-hmm. So that is more about GitHub. That,
2: that was the easy question, right? That
0: was easy we must say that was the only question that has a really um strong background about knowledge that is required this is more (laughs) about fun facts, so don't feel uh nervous about that so do you know octocat yes yes and it is the famous mascot of github right yes and do you know who has created the picture of the mascot. I have four different uh, answers to choose.
2: I have absolutely no clue. Yeah,
0: but Octocat. <laughs> <laughs> That's just about fun facts question. Uh, so answer R A uh, regarding a developer of the GitHub core team. B a graphic designer from the image platform iStock. <laughs> C Linus Torvalds, D, Johnny Ive from Apple. I'm
2: gonna say the first one, developer from the core team. Developer
0: from the core team. Because that would be best. <laughs> that would be the best, not Johnny Ive. <laughs> okay, So let's have the resolu- resolution mm-hmm. for that. It is um, the designer from the platform Ah,
2: oh, It was a designer. It was a they... designer. They have complete books on how uh, Octocat was created. They had them at GitHub because we went to the office as well in San Francisco. They have so many art stuff there and things. Right. And I can give you another random fact that you didn't ask for. Uh, Octocat has six legs, not eight. Uh,
1: good, good. Yes, I also, <laughs> also not uh, remember.
0: I cannot remember. <laughs> okay. But we have another uh, side note here on the answer so the guy uh who has created the graphic designer um has um made some other graphics and there were some uh some other large companies that um uh, uh, ordered all the licenses and exclusive rights to the image and he's also the creator of the twitter bird that's uh-huh. that really interesting so this is a guy. good
2: graphic designer
0: yeah. <laughs> So maybe Elon Musk is um, also aware. <laughs> so, Gregor, next turn.
2: Oh, Gregor has lost his sound.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, um, yeah, next question. And this is more to the PowerShell uh, fan in you because uh, <laughs> yeah, PowerShell can be used for many scenarios of automate automation tasks which of the following modules does not not exist? And is this Spotify or Terraform?
2: Uh, Spotify exists. There is a Spotify module. Great. And I, I would think that Terraform also exists, but apparently not.
1: <laughs> yeah, you are right. Uh, Spotify yeah. is still existing in the AS module, but not Terraform when I'm really wide now. But we will also do a fact check at the end. But yeah, currently, this is Spotify was also a surprise for me.
0: Yeah. And some some yeah. additional thoughts on that. So uh, because we have some additional uh, answer options. So mm-hmm. what about a PowerShell module called Tesla PS module? Yeah, that exists. To control your Tesla, that yes, exists. I know and that one. a PowerShell module called Joker Shell, which automates trolling your coworkers <laughs> by replacing wallpapers and sounds and changing the keyboard layout.
2: Oh, someone must have created that. No, but I know the Tesla one exists. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I know that of one exists. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joker Shell would be, I think, for the next 1st of April, a good option. Do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We are ready for the last question before we yes. end the quiz. So regarding Git in general, in mm-hmm. 2005, uh, Linus Torvalds invented Git, and that's not the question, <laughs> but what was the motivation to write an own source control or an own source control management tool? I have four different yes. um, uh, options for you. So option A, just for fun. B, Always good reason, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, answer B, uh, limitations in scaling the thousand lines of kernel code and exceeding um, the limits of the existing source control. C, integration to an existing community-driven tracking bug tracking tool or d using a proprietary source control management by a third party vendor with licenses
2: so d would be like he was not happy with the product he was using
0: uh yeah so d about the uh, property source control management tool right
2: yeah i think it's that one
0: Okay, so here's the solution. The (laughs) proof is source control called BitKeeper. And it was indeed uh, a source control management with free licenses, but owned by a a license company. And the copyright holder um, has uh, withdrawn the free use of the product. And there were some concerns and therefore they... um, to change it, uh, started to change to a 100% open source tool. Since that day, everyone said, build open source tools with open source tools.
1: Yep. Be great. And this is also good that we have now, GitHub. That's...
2: Absolutely. And we have options on choosing stuff, but
0: yeah, and Git was a good choice, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a bad result, so. Normally, uh, our guests have zero points. <laughs> oh, just kidding. But yeah, that was, was, was a good, good run.
2: I got a lot of random facts you didn't ask for.
1: <laughs>
2: and apparently, the one thing I know best are PowerShell, really weird PowerShell modules.
1: <laughs> cool, cool. All right, mm. I think we're coming, closing to an end. Uh, Thomas, your last question. Um, so what is your number
0: one recommendation out there for everyone that likes to start with the DevOps automation journey? So what will be your golden number rule or uh, top priority that you would suggest for everyone to start with? Uh,
2: if you can at all with automating stuff, work start with something you work with. So uh, because we'll make it so much easier to have use cases and to see why you are learning stuff. So that will help you a lot with getting motivated. So uh, that can be a bit tricky if you want to get into Azure, for example, because maybe you don't work with Azure and then it's going to probably be pretty hard to get into uh, stuff like ARM templates or Bicep if you don't work with Azure at all. So maybe then you can focus on PowerShell see what it can do for you. Uh, or in other languages Uh, and if you do want to start uh, with stuff like Azure because you know you're going to do it in the near future uh, I really love Microsoft Learn as a resource Uh, they have so many modules out there so many different things you can do and a lot of them is first you read and then you do And I love that concept because uh, after a while of reading, I'm like, yeah, sure, but I don't get a feeling for it and I have to do stuff. And a lot of these uh, options have sandboxes available where you can do it directly. So if you're starting out with Azure at all or with Microsoft 365 or with GitHub, then Microsoft Learn really is a great resource for that.
0: But I heard also there are some great LinkedIn learning courses from people in the Netherlands. So I was
2: actually, uh, there's a lot of new resources on LinkedIn learning. Of course, it's not a free tool. That's the downside. It is a paid tool. Uh, But I was really impressed with how they work. They uh, are very regularly updated the courses, because that's always a complaint with a course. When it's a year old, it's pretty much outdated when it comes to the cloud. It's very fast to be outdated, and you're looking for some item in the menu that's not there anymore. Uh, But the courses in LinkedIn Learning, they really check if they're still up to date, and they get updated very regularly. Uh, The videos are very short. They're like uh, mostly a maximum of 10 minutes Mostly like five minutes for a video. So you can watch one in between. You don't mm. have to apply to an, uh, an hour long course. And they have actually are doing some courses with GitHub Code Spaces where you can follow along with a Code Space. So I, I think, think this
1: will buy true. this, will I booked tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was really impressed because I'll admit I hadn't used it that much before I started uh, creating my own courses but I'm really impressed with the quality control that they have in there.
0: Cool. Yeah, so we put that also to the show notes. Absolutely. So follow your social yes. media for the upcoming learning. Course. Yes.
2: And for everything else I'm doing and for stuff around the, the PowerShell conference which I'm organizing this year which will be in June so uh, yeah, keep track. There's a lot of fun stuff going on.
1: Cool. Sounds great. We also take, uh, pay, place this on the show notes. Yes. Barbara, thank you so much for the great talk. Uh, Thanks, yeah, The time is running so fast, and it was so many, many great insights. Uh, thank you a lot to being our guest today.
2: Thank you for having me. It was fun.
0: Thank you, and see you next time.
1: See you. Thank you. Thanks.